0: Hey, it's Mark Shafley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric podcast. Hey there, Jets fans! Welcome back to the Jet Centric podcast. Oh my goodness, there's so many things to get to. I'm going to talk really quick and try and get through them all. Um, first sponsor, the Blackbird Brasserie restaurant on the corner of Tache and what is that? Tache and Marion. Anyhow, I've been there. I went there for my birthday now and I ate and I can tell you the food is really good. The atmosphere is good. So you should check out our one sponsor, the Blackbird Brasserie. Um, also want to say a big thanks to all of you listeners that have stuck with us. Uh, we've doubled our Twitter um, uh, numbers. We're at 1,600 since uh took over back in uh, beginning of July. Uh, we've had over almost 17,000 listens to the podcast now, which is insane. So thank you all very, very much. Um, and now that the All-Star break is over, we're going to get back at it. Throwing a bunch of content at you, including uh, interviewing with those Atlanta fans, uh, the dad and the two sons, Scott, Simon, and the other son that I did not meet. Max is going to be doing an interview with them tomorrow, and I might hop in on that too. Tell us a story, a bit of the history of your Winnipeg Jets and how they continue to stay fans of the team once they, they moved here. I'm um, also going to be doing an uh, uh, what was a trivia show with Ace Burpee coming up. I'm working on a bunch of questions and format. Uh, that we'll sort out and and put that out so that'll be fun also I'm going to be doing an interview with Blake Spiller of the Portage Terriers one of the most successful major junior hockey league coaches probably in Canada in recent memory I mean the the Portage Terriers team is always very very good had the pleasure of going out there and watching them play the other day uh, with some friends some podcast people as well. Uh, also, Leah Hextall. Alistair is going to be interviewing her, I believe, on Sunday. So, that you can expect that next week. She's been traveling around covering women's hockey. And uh, so, she'll have a lot uh, to share. Also, Jordan Tutu. I'm going to be interviewing him uh, probably on the 8th. Uh, he has been in Saskatoon in Newfoundland. And he's going to be honored in Nashville on February 2nd. Two, two. Jordan Tutu is going to be honored there, so his family's there. so that's why that interview has probably taken longer than uh, what I would have expected and some of you that are expecting it, why uh, you haven't heard it yet. So um, but you can look forward to those as well as other ones. but uh, Jordan Tutu Leah Hextall, Blake Spiller, the Atlanta fans, uh, the Ace Burpee Trivia show. And uh, that's it for now. Well, there, There's always more things in the work, but uh, we'll tell you about it as we get to it. So now to the episode at hand, episode 39. We got Roddy interviewing another Winnipeg Jet. Roddy gets all the Winnipeg Jets and, and made a connection too uh, through it. Um, uh, he, or former Jets, I should say, uh, he interviews Grant Clitsum, Clitty. There you go. And uh, they have a lot of fun uh, chitting and chatting about uh, his time in Winnipeg and his, his hockey career and what he's been up to. Since, So I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And uh, probably this will help make a connection with Jim Slater too. So hopefully, hopefully in the future, we'll have Jim Slater on and that will be uh, former Jets. We have Scott Campbell, the man, love Scott Campbell. Uh, then we had Kyle Wellwood. We've had Tim Stapleton, now Grant Clitsam and uh, Jim Jim Slater coming up too. So uh, I think that's pretty good for a bunch of guys in their mom's basement making a podcast. <laughs> Thank you all for sticking with us and uh, and enjoying it. Anyhow, let's get to it. I'm done talking. Here's Roddy and Grant Clitsam. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. It's Roddy here,
1: uh, Jet Centric Podcast. And tonight, uh, we have the pleasure of having Grant Clitsam on. How are you doing, Grant?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome, so you're in ottawa now, right are you, you, you know, i am and how long have you been living there?
2: Uh, I moved to Ottawa when I was ten uh, I was born and uh, grew up in Northern Ontario and then moved here when I was ten and uh yeah I would always come back here in the off season and my wife's from here and all our family and friends are here, so that's where we settled
1: and you played uh you played um junior Nion right.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, so I played minor hockey in uh, Gloucester, which is uh, uh, where I grew up, and then got drafted by the European Raiders, uh, played three years there, and was fortunate enough to play on some pretty sweet hockey teams. We, uh, My last two years, we won the league, and uh, my last year, we actually won the Eastern Canadian Championships and went to the National Championships. So it was a real good experience for me.
1: Awesome. And then, of course, you were drafted by Columbus in the ninth, ninth round, right?
2: Yeah, 10 picks from last overall, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, that was uh, actually my last year. Junior I was drafted at the end of that year, uh, heading into Clarkson. So that was my uh, my draft year.
1: Yeah. So um, so you made the decision to go play at Clarkson. Um, how how was that? Like how was that transition from from junior to to college? And and take take me through a little bit of what what the adjustment was there.
2: Yeah, it was uh it was pretty uh pretty big change actually to be honest. Um I mean uh, being drafted my last year junior was was pretty special. It wasn't something I was expecting was going to happen. I'd actually talked to a couple teams right before the draft, but I had no inkling of actually thinking I would get drafted. So uh it's a funny story actually the um the weekend of the draft, uh, I was Decided to kind of not think about it and headed to Montreal with a bunch of my friends
1: for, <laughs> um,
2: to an amusement park there called Baron. It's like a big, uh, big amusement park. So we all went down there and I ended up driving and drove back. Got lost in Montreal because I don't drive there too often. And so we got back super late that night. And then uh, the next morning was the second day of the draft. And uh, mom comes pounding out my door in my bedroom, which she's like, uh, Grant, the phone's for you. I'm like, okay, well, I'll call him back. Like, no, I think you're going to want to take this one. So <laughs> pick up the phone, and uh, it's the Columbus Blue Jackets told me they drafted me. So I was just, just kind of half asleep and blown away and pretty excited. And then uh, I knew I had Clarkson coming up, so I was really excited to get to Clarkson. And um, I'd done a couple of visits there. And, I mean, what you hear about college guys is true. They, uh, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> sorry ho- hockey one <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that um, so I mean we don't play as many games as juniors, so there's a lot of time to exercise and work out and so uh, you get there from from junior hockey and uh, you quickly realize how big and strong these guys are and how fast they are and so the first thing is a bit of an eye opener but um, it was good It's uh, Clarkson is a small school so we only have a couple thousand students and uh, it was hour and a half from home, so it was great. My friends and parents and family could all come down and watch games, and uh, could come home the odd night for a home cooked meal. And um, but but getting to Clarkson, um, we had a pretty big freshman class. I think we had about ten guys, and uh, we, we bond pretty quick. I mean, you you go to class together, you live together, you play hockey together, so you're really together all the time. And um, it was great. Uh, you quickly, kind of get thrown into the the paces. I think the toughest part actually was the first month uh, school starts, but hockey games don't start till later in the fall. So you spend like a month to a month and a half of just bag skates and workouts. and (laughs) That that was kind of tough, but uh, I'll tell you when those games come, you're pretty damn excited to play. So we were looking forward to it. And um, it's, it's fun playing in that college atmosphere. Like Come in the games. We had an awesome pep band. And uh, it was just a, a really cool experience uh, for four years there.
1: And, and Clarkson is an Ivy League school, right? Is that? Uh,
2: Well, uh, we'd like to consider ourselves Ivy League. We're not actually Ivy League, uh, but we play in the same okay. uh, division as all the Ivy League schools. So we play against like, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, and all those guys. It's a really good school academically, but we aren't technically considered
1: Ivy League. All right. And you may, you majored in uh in business, right? Entrepreneurship?
2: Yep, yeah, that's right. So I uh, actually started my dad's a pilot, so um okay. I had a lot of interest in aviation and started in um aeronautical engineering. And I spent about a week in that program and quickly <laughs> realized, yeah, if I wanna play hockey and go to school it's gonna have to something's gonna have to change, so I jumped into business. wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and uh, I'm really glad I did. Learned a lot, and it was, uh, it was a good time. So, yeah, I, I graduated with a degree in business.
1: And so, at the end of the college, uh, you signed. You obviously signed with the Blue Jackets, right? And um, you started. Yes. And you 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 spent a couple years in in Syracuse, um, in the AHL. Uh, how, yep. what What was that like and 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 what was it like being a professional like like and like I know I know colleges is, college is one thing, but the transition to professional hockey and and basically how you had to adjust to to being a pro,
2: yeah, so I signed uh, my first contract year, so I was still at school, and our season was over, but the uh, the pro season was still on, so I actually went and played the last couple weeks. Uh, with Syracuse well sorry I signed I didn't play they were on this like incredible I think it was like 21 or 22 game unbeaten streak I think it was like February they were statistically eliminated from or or almost statistically eliminated from the playoffs incredible streak and ended up getting into the playoffs and uh, went pretty far into the playoffs so I spent the end of that season with them while still trying to complete senior year and then I remember going to graduation with a big playoff beard. And, uh, so it was, it was good. It was, it was a good experience for me to kind of go at the end of the season because you kind of get to see what the pro game is like, uh, without really the pressure of being in your first full season. So I kind of had a bit of a glimpse into it before I started my first year. Um, and being in Northern New York, it was nice because everything was pretty familiar. Uh, it wasn't far from Clarkson either or that far from home. So it was good. So, uh, Going into the next season, I went to training camp in Columbus and uh, had a really good training camp and got some really good feedback from the, the coaches up there and went down to Syracuse and really just tried to establish myself and um, had a, a good first couple of years there in Syracuse, a, a really good organization, and uh, looked after the players really well and enjoyed my time there and kind of learned what it was like to be a pro, I think, um, one of the advantages for me was coming out of college. You're a little bit older, uh, so you've had that experience of living on your own and budgeting your money and and managing your time. So like balancing school and hockey and and workouts and grocery shopping and all that like little stuff. So that when you get to the, the pro level, you're you're kind of already prepared for living on your own. Right. Um, but I would say by far the biggest adjustment from college to pro was just the amount of games. Uh, college, we play like thirty-six, forty games a year, and pro, you're playing seventy-five, eighty games a year. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a big adjustment, and um, it was, you know, I think the first bit you handle it pretty well because you're just ready to go, but then you start to get into a bit of a grind, you know, in February and March, and really starting to feel the impact of all those games. But it was nice to have practices that were a little bit more. Uh, laid back and not as intense (laughs) as college so uh and everybody wants to play games so games is is the fun part so it was it was cool but it was definitely an adjustment um playing that many games
1: and how how was the organization with you like um the blue jackets organization minor league team like um walk me through what it was like to be part of that that organization and the players that that you uh you kind of grew up with there
2: uh, yeah, so it was, it was good. We had – so like I said, that Syracuse team when I got there was one on this incredible run, and they had a bunch of guys that ended up playing for years in the NHL, uh, Derek Broussard. Um I think at that point Mark Mithout was already up, but he might have been still down for a bit. And there's uh, – we had a pretty tough team too. So we had like Zenon Knopka and Tom Sestito, Derek Dorsett, uh, John Morasty, who – Never really played in the NHL, but was a really really tough AHL player, and uh, so it was a it was a good core group of guys. And then um, Nick Holden, who is now playing for the Golden Knights, uh, was my roommate in Syracuse for the first couple of years, and he's uh, he's had a great NHL career, and um, you know played with like uh, Matt Calvert and some other good young players, uh, Savard on Columbus, and um, so it was a good group of guys, and then. Kind of getting into actually playing uh, those first few training camps was my first experience with the pro team, and they treated us really well. Um, the The facilities in Columbus are, are awesome. I don't know if uh, if you've ever had the pleasure of seeing them or not, but the rink's really nice. The, the dressing room, awesome. Like it was just a really good setup. Nice city too. It was. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed my experience there. Actually.
1: So what was the, what was your first NHL game like?
2: it was crazy um so i remember getting the call uh it was like i think we played saturday night at home and i got the call like sunday morning uh in syracuse So again woke me up like a developing theme here of getting important phone calls (laughs) half asleep but uh you wake up pretty quick when you're from uh, the assistant GM saying that you're getting called up. So it was pretty cool. Um, we were playing Vancouver in Columbus. Uh, I got called up, uh, I think, on the Sunday, and I think we played the Monday. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. I had to get to Columbus. And then I remember good, like going to pregame skate. And I was kind of familiar with the ring because I'd done a couple of camps there, development camps in the summer. Uh, so you had that comfort level, but now knowing that it was the real deal was kind of different so you you go to pregame skate you feel pretty good pregame skate have a pregame meal and then go back to the hotel to try and try and sleep and it's just impossible you're like, <laughs> every every thought you can imagine going through your head thinking about all the the times in your life that you dreamed about playing in the NHL and it's actually happening and the players they're going to be playing with and against and so you're trying to kind of throw all those thoughts out of your head because it's obviously going to affect your performance so I'm uh, I don't even think I slept more than 10 minutes through like yeah. that pre-game nap. And got to the rink, and, and it was good. I mean, the first, like everybody says, you're nervous before, but then once you get playing, you get into it pretty quick. And uh, I actually ended up having a, a pretty memorable first game. I had two assists, um, almost had a third assist. And uh, I think I tied, like, a, a Blue Jackets record for um, most points by a rookie in his first game. Nice. And so it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, so the game was going really well until the third period when I, I uh, was on with I don't know maybe like five minutes left and tried to bank a pass off the boards in my zone, and I think it was Mason Raymond picked it out of the air, knocked it down, whipped it over to Kyle Wellwood who tucked it in. And it was like <laughs> The tying goal forced us to overtime, and I think we lost in overtime too. So. Like here I was playing my first game, getting two assists, thinking it was so awesome, and then it had to end that way. So was, that was kinda shitty, but uh, <laughs> the experience was something I won't forget. So it was it was pretty cool.
1: So two assists and a free pizza, like Claude Noel would say, right?
2: Yeah, well <laughs> uh, so so funny enough, Claude Noel was the coach in Columbus at that time. Oh really? and, and so the next day I'm sitting on the couch in the players' lounge and sitting beside Rick Nash. And uh Claude walks by, and he goes, uh, hey, Nasher, how many points did you get in your first game? And I don't think, I don't know if Nasher even had one, but obviously he didn't have two. So Nasher starts laughing, and he's like, yeah, Cliddy had two. What does that say? And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, here I am, this on the couch beside Rick Nash. So anyway, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a cool experience.
1: That's awesome. And then you you actually scored your first goal, your first call-up, right?
2: Um. Um. No, no My first goal was I think My fourth game or, It was against New York Islanders and uh, But it was in my first So my first call up was at the end Of my second pro season And it was, we were out, Columbus was out of the playoffs And they just right. called a, a bunch of guys up To kind of get some games in And I think I ended up playing 11 games To kind of finish out the year And uh, my first goal was pretty awesome too Because I was lucky enough to have my parents and my grandparents, oh, wow. uh, in attendance, which was really cool. And my grandpa passed away a few years ago, but he was, he was there to see it. And, uh, we were playing the Islander. uh Olson was in net and I was there on the point, And, um, one of the fours came around the net, tried to pass it to one of the other fours in the slot. And it kind of just missed them and came to me on the point. And I just walked in and, and got a pretty good shot off, uh, I went top glove on Rollins, so it was a it was a pretty cool moment. But it was especially uh, cool to have my my parents and grandparents there to see it.
1: That's awesome. So I got to ask you. So you wore 24 with the Jets. Yeah. Did you did you have you always worn 24 or is that? Um...
2: No, I actually wore 14 my whole career, and then Stapes screwed me in Winnipeg. <laughs> But uh, no, I actually had the chance after he left to to switch to it, and since I, I'd already picked 24, so I just decided to stick with it. And I think uh, Paluso grabbed it after. So um,
0: no, I wore 14
2: my whole career. It's my it's my birthday, but it's more because uh, I grew up kind of idolizing Dave Anderchuk. who okay. I grew up across the street from my my grandparents. So he wore 14, and uh, that's why I started wearing it.
1: You know cuz you know I asked a question cuz 24 is a pretty iconic number in beer leagues right you got sixty-nine, <laughs> two-six, four-zero, and 24 right so you know so yeah. I was joking around with a buddy at work and he he wanted me to ask you that so,
2: <laughs> so No no relation to
1: that <laughs> So you're with Columbus you you played 3 seasons and actually you played um you know a lot of games that last year, 2011-2012 with uh, Columbus, and um, you ended up uh, getting put on Ravers and, and, the, and the, Jets, the Jets picked you up. What was your initial reaction when, when you got picked up by the Jets?
2: Uh, well, that whole experience is just kind of – it's a weird feeling. I mean, you're uh, – I, I, I was put on waivers, and I come off the ice after practice and find out I'm on waivers. And then, uh, you know, I think I was put on on the weekend also, so it's a 48-hour window instead of the regular 24, so I had to wait <laughs> even longer to find out if I was getting claimed or not. And it was right at the uh, trade deadline, too, so there was so much going on with every team. And um, I remember just sitting in my house watching the TSN and waiting, hope, hoping to hear, and, Then I got a call from Chevy and, uh, so it was, it was pretty awesome to be honest. I was really excited for a new opportunity and, um, to go to a team that wants you is, is a really good feeling. And I'd heard a lot of really good things about Chevy and he had said some, some really good things during the phone call. And so I was, I was really pumped to be honest, just to go back to Canada and be in a, in a awesome hockey market and, a city that was just going nuts because his first year the team was there. So mm-hmm. I knew i had to pack warmly, but I was pretty excited to, to get to a new opportunity in, uh, in the first start.
1: So do you think Claude Newell had a lot of input into into getting you, getting Chevy to pick you up?
2: It's hard to say. Um, I, I think Chevy kind of, I was on Chevy's radar uh, from before, but I, I I'm sure Claude did have some input. Um, I know that you know when when GMs make those kind of moves, they do all the research they can. So they they ask everybody that's had some kind of interaction with the player. So um, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine he did. And uh, and I'm thankful if he said some good things about me. So it, was, it ended up being a great opportunity for me.
1: So what was it like? Um, what was your first impression of Winnipeg in general when you got there?
2: Uh well I would played there in uh, ironically my first AHL game uh, that I ever played in my career was
1: against, against the Moose, the Moose. Wow.
2: yeah <laughs> so uh, so that was kind of funny but uh, I'd been there a few times and my impression was just that it was cold <laughs> and not a big not a big city uh, but that they love their hockey and I remember I think it was the first maybe it might have been second practice that I was in Winnipeg for we're at the iceplex. And I'm in this um Chevy uh Equinox like loner vehicle and I'm at the Tim Hortons drive thru and I'm like four cars from the window and it's winter, like I have a toucan, on, glasses on, and this kid is in the Tim Hortons window waving at me because he knows who I am and I'm just <laughs> thinking to myself, like, holy crap, this isn't Columbus anymore, like here I am at the Tim Hortons drive through getting spotted so no, it was uh, it was good. I mean, I what really blew me away too was how um, how friendly everybody was, like how welcoming and warm everybody was. It was a really really nice, welcoming to the city, and everyone was super nice. And I mean, you know that people recognize you in public, and you know I was far from being a, a star on the team, but uh, everyone recognizes you. everyone's really respected, respect respectful. Excuse me, of your of your privacy and you know very nice and public. So it was uh, that was my my initial experience.
1: Awesome. Now you know everybody was endeared to you like that first year that anybody who played with the Jets that year. Um, every everybody every Jets fan you know holds near and dear to their heart, right? So um, you know, and you had. You know, one of the most memorable last names and nicknames uh, <laughs> around, right? So, talk talk to me about growing up playing hockey with your last name and 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 what people would call you. Like, obviously, you've had to you've had to live through a lot of you know jokes or be the brunt of a couple of jokes uh, over the years. But what, what was that like? Because every every hockey player's got a got a nickname but yours has a, a, a different type of ring to it right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: i mean i've heard i've heard them all so uh anything you can imagine i've heard but uh yeah i i mean growing up you kind of when you're a bit younger you're naive and you don't really understand <laughs> and then uh, you kind of have that aha moment and you're like oh, okay that's what that means so uh yeah and then i mean after that it was just that was my nickname so it was, uh, it was just normal so yeah it was uh yeah i mean it's just all i know that's that's what i was called so yeah i don't cool. uh, i'm not offended by it or anything <laughs> like that, so.
1: yeah so uh, i'll tell you a little bit like my my name is Rodal right so i go by Roddy but you know people used to call me Roddle then Rose Smell then it got got to to ro- Rodal and then then one guy on the basketball team started calling me Rotal, and then my other buddy said, "Hey, that kind of rhymes with scrotum and by the end of it, by the end of grade twelve, everybody on the basketball team called me Scroats for for scrotal, which is kind of funny though, so it's you, amazing you, how those
2: nicknames progress <laughs> yeah,
1: so yeah. you got Clyde and Scroats here on the podcast so <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty epic so you know what? Um, I was I was asked to ask you if you remember your one and only fight in the NHL.
2: Uh, yeah, against Chris Stafford. Yeah. Yeah, who ended up being my teammate after that. Yeah. I wasn't a big fighter, uh, but he just that game kind of got me, and I was frustrated because I think we uh, we were up by two and. They ended up coming back and I was on for a couple of those goals again, It's pretty sure at least one of them was my fault and so I was just kinda of frustrated and then we were battling in the corner and he he didn't mean to, but his stick kinda of just slid up my back and got me in the back of the neck and I just got upset. So yeah, that was that was it. <laughs> I, I remember it.
1: <laughs> so you know, over the years like I I know it, you, you, you when did you start having back problems um like we can't i can't really recall a big a big injury, but I know that's that's kind of that's why you retired like yeah can I explain when you started having back problems and how severe it got and
2: yeah yeah so i I heard it in that game uh actually um in, i'm still lost in my years now, but against buffalo raped right, uh, right before christmas and um I felt like, so I, I herniated my L4, L5 disc, and uh, it um, gave me nerve pain down my leg, and the L4, L5 nerve root, it runs down the back of your hamstring, kind of over your glute, down the back of your hamstring, at your knee comes to the front of your leg, goes down your, your shin, and then into the top of your foot. And so I had nerve pain, and I was like in a lot of discomfort, and we we tried to like anything you try all different things to have to do surgery and um so we we waited it out we tried different things met with different specialists and, and it just was getting worse and wasn't getting better so I went and saw the surgeon and that's when he suggested that I have surgery so uh, I had surgery that year and um I'm a herniated disc, and then I think that was, that was in January, and I missed the rest of the season. Uh, rehabbed in the summer, came back in, in training camp the next year, played I think it was like 20-something games, and uh, ended up re the same disc. And so this second time, uh, I could feel the symptoms, like, were pretty intense. And so I went down to see the, the surgeon again, same surgeon, it's uh, a really good surgeon out of L.A., Dr. Watkins, and he, um, he's like, yeah, uh, we need to operate ASAP, so, uh, I was having, like, burning sensations in my foot from the nerve pain, and oh. so, w- we operated, and, well, he operated, <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, it just never, around, like, the first time, um, the, uh, the nerve damage was, was worse, and, um, I forget the stat, but it's something like five percent of people re-herniate the same disc. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I was just one of the lucky ones. But uh, um, yeah, it's, it just never really came around. So after that, you know, we, I did rehab forever, and we we tried a bunch of things, and I mean, it got it got better, but I still to this day like have numbness in my foot. And so uh, so it was a pretty easy decision. Not one I wanted to make, but a pretty easy decision to have to call it quits.
1: So Derek Gagneau asked on Twitter, like, how you how how's your back now? How are you feeling? How's your health? Um,
2: it's uh, it's pretty good. It's kind of up and down. I mean, um, I'm finding the more I exercise, the the better it feels. Like, the stronger I can make my my core and take kind of that stress off the back, the better it feels. Um, but like I said, I still have some nerve symptoms in my, in my foot and my lower leg. And so I always, I think I'm always going to have to be pretty mindful of what I'm doing in terms of exercise and activities and stuff like that. But, uh, for the day to day, I'd say it's, it's pretty good.
1: And then Don Wads is asking, um, now because you know, you had to end, end your career because of the health issues, how difficult of a decision was it? Or was the decision pretty much made for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty much made for me. It was, uh, obviously you don't want to really accept it, but, uh, when you're feeling the way you're feeling and, uh, you know, at 30 years old, you want to make sure, you know, I have a lot of life ahead of me and, um, kids and want to make sure that I have a good quality of life. And, uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't an easy decision, but I didn't really have much choice.
1: Right. So, It ends up being that the lockout year was was pretty much your only real full season in the NHL, right? I guess like um, I guess for as far as percentage of games for the season, and then um, yeah, you had to end your career short. So, do you have any regrets, or do you have anything that you wish you had accomplished in in your career?
2: Um, I mean, it would have been sweet to win a Stanley Cup, but. Uh, that's I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um no, not really. I mean I'm I'm I try not to and I think that was one of the things that's kinda helped me in my transition is just not really dwell on what could have been or what I could have had or what might have happened and instead just I'm I'm just really thankful for what I experienced and having the opportunity to play in the best league in the world and play as long as I did and meet great people and have great experiences and um, I'm, pr- I'm very fortunate to have experienced that so uh, yeah in terms of regrets I, I don't think I really have any I mean I don't I, I did everything I could to play as good as I could and um, that's that's really all, all I could ask for myself.
1: Yeah. So uh, being a Winnipegger and you know all every Winnipegger really really needs to to feel loved <laughs> I going to I going to ask you Some uh, you know, Winnipeg specific questions So did you have a uh, fav- Did you have a favorite restaurant in Winnipeg?
2: I had a few I'm a bit of a foodie So uh, I do like to eat out and I do like to try different foods At different restaurants um, I would say in terms of most visits For sure hands down would be Mona Lisa I, uh, nice. I ate there a lot Yeah we were um, One year lived like walking distance to Mona Lisa, so I was there all the time. Uh, great people over there, great food over there. Uh, and then 529 was nice. Didn't go there a whole lot, but uh, when we did, it was always awesome food. Um, another I really enjoyed was Segovia.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um,
2: again, we didn't go there a ton, but uh, it was a great experience when we were there.
1: So did you play bocce with, uh, with um what, with Slater at Mona Lisa, I know he.
2: You know what? I, I never. Uh, There's a couple times where I was gonna go, and for, for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. But no, that would have been a lot of fun. I I never ended up actually playing with them. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's a great group over there. Uh, they they treated us really well, and it just kind of felt like a, a second home to go grab a nice pregame meal, and uh, yeah, it was it was awesome.
1: What was your favorite thing about your time in Winnipeg?
2: Oh, I can't forget Pizzeria Gusto. That was a good one too. Oh, yeah. That was definitely a great one. Uh, my favorite. Sorry, can you repeat that question?
1: What was your favorite thing about Winnipeg in general?
2: Period. Uh, well, the hockey was awesome. Like uh, the the atmosphere at the rink was second to none. Um, going to play games there was was always special. So that was for sure the favorite. Um, after that i would say you know what the the teams we had were great groups of guys like i i had some really good friendships and uh i think we kind of were pretty close off the ice and just like really really good people um that were in that organization so uh, that was for sure up there and then uh I was actually pleasantly surprised by the food scene. I I wasn't expecting Winnipeg to have something good. Yeah, running.
1: we we have a, a really 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 robust uh um restaurant scene. Like my like I'm a I'm a restaurant consultant by trade, so it's funny that you mentioned Pizzeria Gusto and then uh, Stapes uh mentioned Wasabi Sabi and both those restaurants. I was actually the restaurant designer and the kitchen Consultant for both of them, so it's kind of cool. No way. Yeah, (laughs) both you guys mentioned.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I just named those. few, but there is so many good restaurants that we ate at, and it was it was mind blowing. I kept telling my buddies from other cities, like, man, you wouldn't believe the restaurants in here. And they're like, what? Winnipeg?
1: Yeah, (laughs) really. Yeah, we have. It's pretty robust, and anything you want to eat is here. Like, it's it's like every major city. So Mm -hmm. any any cuisine you want, it's it's pretty much here. So. That's kinda of cool yeah. by the way. So yeah. do you still keep in touch with any of the guys or um
2: Uh so the guys I keep the most in touch with are probably like guys that aren't there anymore. Uh Pluso, uh, Slates, um, but yeah I do uh like Chiffes and Buff and a couple of those guys, uh Sherrod I've seen a few times, Wheels have seen a few times, but uh, what I try and do is every time they come to Ottawa, I go to the game and then get down there to see them after and kind of catch up. And we went back to Winnipeg uh, once after uh, I retired just to, to visit some friends there and kind of hang out. So, um, yeah, I try and stay in touch. I wouldn't say I've, I've kept really close contact with guys, but I, I try and stay in touch as best I can.
1: Cool. And um, do you still cool. follow the Jets at all or –
2: I do, yeah. I wouldn't say, like, really closely, but if I'm going to watch hockey, it's going to be a Jets game. So yeah. I uh, I like to check the stats. I like to check the scores and kind of see how the team's doing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's fun when when you can watch a team with, with your friends playing and guys that, you know, that you want to see be successful and guys that you played with. So I, I definitely like following the Jets as, as much as I can, but I wouldn't say I watch a ton of hockey right now.
1: Right. So, and then last hockey question because I want to get to what you're doing now. But um, you, it's pretty much split down the middle for games played for the Blue Jackets and the Jets. What do you, what, what do you identify as a Jet or a Blue Jacket?
2: I would say definitely Jet. Uh, and I think, like, although my, the games played are pretty much split, I think I have a bit more with the Jets. Um Yeah, like I, I, I think
1: ten or twelve or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: it's pretty close, yeah. Yeah. But I spent I spent a lot in Winnipeg, because um, I was injured unfortunately I was injured a lot in Winnipeg, uh the most of my career. But uh so I, I spent a lot more time there and that's yeah, I definitely identify as a jet and having finished my career there. Um yeah.
1: Okay, so I have a couple more questions. I lied a little bit. A couple guys from the podcast are asking questions. Well, mainly AJ uh, asked a couple of questions here. He did ask if you remembered your fight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's asking if you remember if you won or not. Uh,
2: no, from my recollection, it was more of a wrestling match than a real fight.
1: So. <laughs> and... Uh, you- He says, in your whole career, you play, you got to play in one playoff game. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. And what was that like?
2: In uh, against the Moose. Yeah. Yeah, that was. uh, Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. My first AHL game. Yeah, Yeah. because
1: that's the only playoff game you played in was with the Syracuse Crunch, right? Yeah, yeah. And
2: and even that, it was kind of weird because that game they dressed seven D, and so I think they they've really wanted to get me in the game because I'd been with the team for so long but they were on this crazy winning streak and they didn't want to change the lineup so finally they're like okay well we'll throw the kid in the game but we're dressed at 7d because they don't really trust them so um, when you play 7d it throws off your whole rhythm for ice time and how you how you're playing and stuff so right. uh, I didn't play a whole time that game but it was uh, it was pretty cool I mean playoffs are always fun to play and i didn't play a ton in pro but i played a lot in college and junior so uh it's just everything is that much more important and uh it was a fun game
1: what did you think about the jets playoff run last year
2: oh that was nuts and even (laughs) the last year i was there i was still with the team but i wasn't playing because i was hurt uh being in the building for that first playoff game, oh, yeah. in the press box was just insane. Like you couldn't—I was sitting beside, I think it was Peluso, I was sitting beside, and into him, and we can't even hear each other talk. And it was just—it was cool.
1: Yeah, from from ups from warmups, that first game in that arena, that nobody, nobody, nobody sat down from like a half hour before the game started to, to you know, the end of the game. It was a, is it was probably the most electric atmosphere I've ever been in, but. That very yeah, first everything. one, yeah. Um, he's asking, too, if there's a f- possibility for a future in hockey down the road for you. Uh,
2: we'll see. I mean, uh, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, one thing that I really value right now is having kind of stability in my life and just having a core unquote normal life where I'm working a job and staying in one city and not uh, – on the road all the time and worrying about uh, getting fired or whatever so um so that's kind of nice uh, but I wouldn't rule it out I mean I I love hockey um it's what I've done my whole life and uh I miss it for sure and so yeah maybe we'll see
1: <laughs> so you, you're tired now you're you're married and and have just the one child right now or
2: uh, we just had our second next oh, nice. month ago, so yeah, two boys.
1: Wow, well, is that it? Or are you gonna have more? Or?
2: No, I think that's it. Think, uh, <laughs> we're we're happy with two for now. I mean, we'll see, but I think yeah, two is probably good for us.
1: How, so how how old
2: is the oldest right now? Uh, three and a half.
1: Wow. And then mm-hmm. how many months is a is a new newborn? Three months. Wow, you're, you guys are busy then for sure.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so not getting a whole ton of sleep these days, but uh, it'll get better.
1: So what are you doing right now? So what are you, what are you into? Um...
2: Oh, what am I not doing? Uh, I mean, so when my career ended, I uh, I think for a lot of guys, well, for me, anyways, I'll speak for myself. It's just finding your whole life. You have that one thing that you know you're trying to get to. That you're working towards you have a goal you have an objective, and so you just work your ass off to get there and then all of a sudden it's well now what am I gonna do and so it was just trying to find something to channel that drive and energy to so i my philosophy was just keep doing different things, try things, and something will eventually stick but you know if I sit still and don't move forward, I'm just gonna go crazy, and it won't be good for anybody so um, I went back to school when I finished, uh, but not the school you would think. I went back and uh, became a sommelier. Oh wow! So I went to uh, college in Ottawa and did like a wine program, and that was pretty awesome. I I've always liked wine. Actually, started my wine career if you want to call it, at uh, Banville and Jones in Winnipeg. Took my first WSET course there.
1: Oh. And,
2: uh, and then I, yeah, when I came back here, I just kind of got the bug for it. So I kept going. I did my W set three and then, uh, I did the sommelier program here and wrapped that up. And, and then that led to, uh, my father-in-law had a, an apple orchard that he bought in retirement and, um, I don't know, Quebec city at all.
1: I've been to Quebec city, not, not too, too familiar <clears throat> with it though, but.
2: So he bought a apple orchard on this Island. It's called the île and it's, um, it's right in the St. Lawrence and the there's one bridge to it. It's about 15 minutes from downtown Quebec city. And so it's a beautiful property. It overlooks the St. Lawrence and the mountains and um, really, really picturesque. And so he bought this apple orchard. It's like 160 acres and, so you know, I wasn't playing anymore. and I wasn't working at the time, and so we would go up there quite a bit. And I was doing the wine thing, and so one thing led to the next. We're like, "Oh, let's let's make some cider." So we started making some some apple cider, and uh, first year, pretty terrible stuff. But uh, <laughs> so we learned a thing or two, and then I I went to England and took a couple cider maker courses from a kind of like a cider guru over there and uh, came back and we bought some proper equipment and kind of fit up our cidery and then went a little bit more serious with our production and made about, I think, 4,000 bottles our first year. and um, It was pretty decent. Um, and then we didn't get open or anything. So then the next year we went a little bit heavier and made about 15,000 bottles I started to do a couple of different kinds and some carbonated, some not carbonated. and um, So the island is actually like a, a really big tourist destination. So they, uh, it has a lot of historical significance to the wealthy Canada. Really. It was kind of where the, the French, um, it came to Canada, right. started settling there. And actually when, when the Brits and the French were fighting for Quebec city, there was a lot of stuff going on on the island too. So, and uh, it kind of looks frozen in time so it's it's a pretty cool spot but there's one ring road that goes all the way around and uh, people kind of come on for the day and and stop by little artisanal cheese shops and chocolate shops and there's a few wineries and a few cideries and and so uh so we just built a store at the farm uh, that uh, overlooks, like we did a nice little patio, and uh, it overlooks the, the St. Lawrence, and so we just, we're very seasonal, we just open in the summer, and people kind of stop by, try our cider, buy some if they want, have a glass on the patio if they want, and then take off, so uh, so yeah, so we started a cidery, and um, we just opened our store last year, and so that's going pretty well, we had a pretty good summer last year of sales, really good feedback on the product, and so we've got some more coming for this summer. And then uh, after that, I decided to go back to, to school school, and I did my MBA. And uh actually just wrapped that up about a month ago. So I graduate officially in May, but I'm done doing all my classes and everything, so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh-huh. That was a lot of work. Uh, but I uh, I loved it. I learned a lot, and uh, it was really good for me uh, mentally. Uh, Confidence-wise, all kinds of stuff. So, so I did that, and then uh, now actually, more recently, just started my new job, which is with um, One Sports and Entertainment. They're a wealth management company. Wow. And uh, they specialize in athletes. So, a lot of our clients are hockey players. Most of our clients are hockey players. Uh, we have some entertainers, some uh, a few golfers, and. Um, they've hired me to create a transition program for them, so they want to they add even more value to their clients by creating uh, a program to help athletes transition to life after sports. So that's uh, kind of what I've been working on for the last uh, few weeks, and so I'm still really in the really early stages of that, but um, that's my current job.
1: That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you have first-hand knowledge of transitioning, right? You're doing it right now, so...
2: Yeah, and that's just cool. You know, I've I've gone through it, so I, uh, I've experienced a lot in the last three years, and um, and it's if I can if I can help other guys go through what's arguably one of the tougher times in in their lives and make it just a little bit easier, then I mean it's it's a pretty cool feeling to be able to help guys and hopefully a little bit find some direction or just have someone to, to talk to or pick their brain so we're uh we're working on, on trying to make a good program and, and help guys during that
1: transition that's awesome so you're a licensed broker then i guess or investment investment guy or? so
2: I, I i'm not yet um but uh the firm they are like they have licensed brokers and registered
1: so you, financial planners. so you guess you're just doing some consulting and recruiting right now or yeah yeah exactly yeah, that's awesome so any any plans to go big with the cidery or
2: i don't i don't know we kind of talked about it um but i think it's in quebec city like i said so it's uh from ottawa it's it's a bit of a hike it's about five and a half hours and i don't i don't really want to move my whole family there And i think that's probably what it would take to get it really up and running so we'll see how it goes i mean we'll we'll start small and and see how the the feedback is and how the sales go and then you never know. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: You gonna get? You gonna get your oldest started in hockey soon, or is already skating?
2: Well, we went to the canal a couple of weeks ago, but the ice was terrible, so it was, wasn't a great first experience. Um, I'm gonna bring him out to uh, just to like a public skate at a real rink here and, and see how he how he likes that. But he starts school in the fall, and um, I'm not even sure what age like they're allowed to start hockey. I don't know if it's five or. But anyways, uh, yeah, we'll probably get him into it soon. Uh, he's he's like he's really active and he, he needs to burn off energy. And <laughs> he's he's pretty coordinated, so we'll see. I think he'll like it. And we're playing mini sticks in the basement every night right now, so yeah. I, I think he's got the hockey bug.
1: They're they're a lot of fun at that age for sure, right? So you know. Yeah, yeah, he keeps <laughs> me
2: busy. <It's> fun. <laughs> and you awesome. know what? That was a it was a great it was a great thing for me too to to have him around during this transition and i was able to be home while he was growing up and it was kind of like a nice distraction so it's uh it's fun now because he's at an age where he's much more physical and active and can kind of play more and so it's yeah it's good times that's
1: awesome so you you've you've only been back to winnipeg once you do you plan on coming back here at all or maybe during the playoffs or anything like that or
2: yeah definitely i'd love to um we're uh i'd love to come back yeah i was talking to uh, Chipper and a couple of the other guys um, after game last year when they were here. I think they are here in April. They're actually coming in February ninth to Ottawa, so I'm going to that game, and uh going to talk to the guys there. But hopefully I'd like to get back up. I mean, playoffs are always awesome, so that would be a cool time to come back up. But, uh, yeah, definitely plan on coming back.
1: Yeah, Stapes, Stapes is planning a trip for the playoffs again, so you guys should probably come together. and win. Yeah,
2: I'll have to time that. I can see him when I come up
1: there. And then we could do an exclusive podcast live. That'd be kind of cool.
2: Yeah, that would be cool.
1: A <laughs> um, couple, a couple oh. more hockey questions, and then, then, then we'll get out of here. But uh, who's, who's the best player you've ever played with?
2: Ooh. I mean, there's a lot. Like I've been fortunate to play with a lot of good guys. Uh, I, Rick Nash is yeah. pretty. Uh, Pretty world class player, um, Jake Borchek when I was there in Columbus, uh, Derek Brassard, and then you know in Winnipeg, uh, obviously like Wheels and Schifes and Litz and Laddie, like all those guys, like Buff and just like just great hockey players. I mean, being Buff's partner for. For the better part of that lockout season, was was pretty cool. I mean, he's a he's a character like we all yeah. know, but uh, he's just a great guy. I, I got along really well with Buff, and you know, he, he's just such a, a good person, but pretty special player too. So, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm lucky to have played with some good guys.
1: Best best hockey experience.
2: Um like pro or non pro any any, yeah, any any
1: hockey experience in your life like what, what's the most memorable hockey experience that, that you could you could draw uh,
2: shit tough one. um i mean winning championships like in uh, in college and and junior were were really cool uh, anytime you're you're part of a team that goes that far and kind of wins a championship is pretty special but I'd probably have to go with like my most recent, which would be uh, my first NHL game, but probably even more so my first goal. and <clears throat> Not because it was my first goal, but really just because my family was there yeah. to see it and be there for it. So that was pretty special.
1: That is super special. So what's the name of the firm that you're working for?
2: Uh, it's One, One Sports and Entertainment.
1: Awesome. And uh, this yeah. the cidery, is, that, is the store still open? or?
2: So the store is closed, uh, so we're pretty seasonal. So we'll open usually right after May long, the first week of June, and then stay open right until about Thanksgiving because uh, the fall pool there, it's, it's a really big uh, – we make apple cider, so it's a really big island for apples. So in the fall, you get tons of people coming on to, to pick apples and kind of spend the day. And so fall's a good turn for us too. But, yeah, we're really open, like, from June until, uh, until about Thanksgiving. Awesome.
1: So, any any, any shout outs you want to make here on the podcast, or you want to?
2: Well, I hope I hope I see Stapes when I come, but I'm only gonna try and come if he brings some of his Bill Tongue with him. <laughs> yeah. When you started talking about that, and I started looking it up online, I was like, oh, that looks pretty good. So, uh,
1: <laughs> we could have a Bill Tongue and cider tasting. When, oh, when you, might get, it
2: might actually go well together. I
1: think so. Uh, you know, the sweet and savory there. You know. Yeah. That, yeah. that'd be a good pairing you know being, i think you're on to something yeah <laughs> and anyway, we could we can throw in a wine tasting and stuff too so you know i love yeah. I'd, I'd love to tour the restaurants with you guys when you're when you're here so it'd be kind of uh, awesome sweet. yeah yeah perfect but this has been awesome man like i hope you you come on again maybe we'll talk in closer to playoff time or, or something like that but uh, anytime you want to come on we'd love to have you man sure
2: uh, thanks i really appreciate it thanks for having me okay
1: it's Grant Clitsam, everybody. So uh, uh, we'll be in touch and uh, hope to see you in the spring.
2: All right, see you, Roddy. Okay,
1: thanks.